sometimes we say too much of like, follow your dreams, everything will be okay, you're gonna be totally fine. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and then it's like, oh my gosh, like what happens now? They said it'd be okay, but it's not okay. So I think success is what you create. You're listening to Rock the Boat, a community-first podcast focused on telling the stories of diverse Asian Americans charting unique paths and challenging the status quo. Whether you're looking for a resource to help you navigate your career or simply seeking inspiration in a good story, we hope this podcast can motivate you to rock the boat or rock your own boat. We're your hosts, Lucia Liu and Lin Guay. Hello from sunny New York City. It's Memorial Day weekend and the weather is beautiful. It is finally summer. I am really excited. I'm certainly not complaining. Um, but with it being this nice outside, we are stuck inside recording. I sense a, a tinge of bitterness here. Not at all. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad we're here because I'm really excited for our next guest. Um, you know her from uh, a long ways back, right, Lynn? I do. Today we have a fitness fiend on the show. Jacqueline Ho. Jacqueline, like you said, is an old friend from our days in news, but now she's an internationally known fitness instructor and fitness expert. She's also a ninja warrior, literally. Like American Ninja Warrior? Yes. She competed on season eight of the NBC show American Ninja Warrior back in 2016. That's crazy. Check out this clip from her audition video. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became an American Ninja Warrior. She kind of gives me this sense that she's this like fun-loving, silly girl who's also really jacked. I mean, that kickboxing scene, I think she could definitely kick my ass. Oh, she could kick both of our asses for sure. I've done pull-ups for days and my forearms feel strong and my students all say, you can't go wrong. Look at these obstacles, got nothing to lose. Finally here in American Ninja Warrior. So how did she end up doing on Ninja Warrior? So she made it to the final competition day as one of 500 selected from over 50,000 who tried out. Damn. Um, unfortunately, her clip didn't make it to the final show that aired, but it's kind of a big deal that she made it to the finals. Jacqueline has collaborated with major brands like Nike and Toyota, and she also formally served as Jamba Juice's official national ambassador. She teaches weekly yoga and high-intensity classes at UCLA's Recreation Department and LA Boulders. And she's also certified to teach classes like aerobics and TRX. I wonder if I'd be able to survive one of her classes. I feel like you could because her philosophy is to make things fun and accessible. So it's meant for, I think, people at all levels. Got it. She sounds really sweet. She is. Um, We got to have a really honest conversation about the zigzag path she's taken in her career, starting from her origins and news, which is how I know her, to where she is today, making good on a lifelong dream with her new company, Arrival Fitness. So I didn't know this until you told me, but she's actually the younger sister of Cassie Ho from Blogilates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Blogilates is the number one female fitness channel on YouTube. I actually 
discovered Cassie when I Googled 15 minute ab workouts and I found her ab workout and I've been doing it since um, probably like six months ago. Jacqueline and her sister Cassie are really close. So um, you'll hear Jacqueline talk more about that in our conversation. Um, one other thing that's worth mentioning, through all of this, Jacqueline still has a part-time day job in marketing. Oh my God. So it's a juggling act, as you and I are very familiar with. Um, we talked to Jacqueline about how she's been able to turn her fitness hobby into a career, how she persists even in the face of doubt, and how she defines the essence of true health. My name is Jacqueline Ho, and I'm the founder of Arrival Fitness. We do corporate wellness, and we bring fitness experiences to the workplace. I'm also a fitness instructor who's been teaching for about 10 years, and I'm a writer. Oh, and I also do digital marketing. <laughs> That's my bread and butter. And, and they all just meld together, and I'm, I'm a happy person with all of them. In many ways, Jacqueline is a true child of the Golden State. She was born in LA and raised in the Bay Area. She also went to college in San Francisco and now is back to living in LA. Jacqueline even came to the interview with her puppy. She has radiant skin, is super fit, and has a beaming spirit. But according to her, she didn't really develop that sunny Cali attitude until a bit later. Little Jacqueline did not learn how to smile until she was like five or six. Like all my baby pictures, I look like a potato head and I'm like really worried um, and concerned. And then I think about maybe truly second grade, I learned how to like add some teeth and some smiling. Mind you, she had the biggest smile on her face as she said this. So it's fair to say she grew out of that phase. As we mentioned before, Jacqueline's older sister is Cassie Ho of Blogilates. Cassie is also the creator behind Pop Pilates and has also started her own fitness apparel line. Jacqueline and Cassie are four and a half years apart, and they've been really close since Jacqueline was young. Growing up, little Jacqueline always followed my big sister. I loved to see what she was doing, copy what she was doing. I wanted to hang out with her friends because they were cooler. I mean, I have some recollection of her like spitting in my eyeball or like pushing me or like stealing my toys and Barbies or whatever normally sisters do, but we've always been really, really close. Jacqueline is also very close to her mom who came here on a boat as a refugee of the Vietnam War. It's a long and rather heartbreaking tale, but long story short, Jacqueline's mom and two of her brothers escaped Vietnam and made it to Canada in her early 20s. But their third and youngest brother got left behind in Vietnam. Life just played out so differently because then you have my mom and her brother who ended up living a life in Canada and the US and the other brother who could have lived a similar life but he stayed in Vietnam and he's still alive but life just is so different. And it's just so weird how it all turns out like I could have been born in Vietnam too or not been born at all. This fact is not lost on Jacqueline. She thinks about how lucky she is to be here in the US with all the sacrifices that her mom made and it inevitably shaped the way she thought about career. My mom is the strongest woman I know, and our relationship as we got older got tougher. At some point, the dynamic of the child wanting to do what they really want to do versus like the parent saying, I came over here on a boat for you, so you must be successful, and success means doctor, lawyer, etc. We hit that point when I was probably like 
15, 16, around the time I was like, I'm gonna do journalism. Jacqueline initially wanted to be a lawyer, but it was around high school that she began to see that what she really enjoyed was writing. I had a really great English teacher sophomore year of high school who pulled it out of me that I could write. And there was something about writing that hit me so deep. Every time I wrote, I was like, wow, like part of me is being released. So some of my best written stuff when I was a kid is all about boys. Like, <laughs> XYZ doesn't like me, why doesn't he like me? And then I'll go into this deep love story of like, it pains my heart every time he doesn't reply to my AIM message and I just love him so much. <laughs> but they're actually like little novels, I'm very proud of them. Jacqueline didn't see herself becoming a novelist, but she saw journalism, specifically TV journalism, as a happy bridge between the writing she loved to do and a more professional, established career. I think in high school, I thought it was a good mixture of smarts and glamour. And I was like, oh, I get to be on TV, but I also get to be doing this very like, intellectual thing, which is deliver the news. <laughs> And that's when I found AAJA, which is the Asian American Journalist Association. And they had this thing called J Camp, which was a journalism camp for high school kids. Some people do band camp, I did J Camp. Quick shout out to AAJA. As the name suggests, it's a membership org for Asian American journalists. They run a gamut of workshops and programs to help advance greater diversity in newsrooms and to ensure fair and accurate coverage of communities of color. Jacqueline and I both participated in a program called Voices when we were college students back in summer 2010. It's like a college version of the journalism camp that Jacqueline attended in high school. We were set up at AAJ's national convention in a newsroom, assigned daily stories to cover, and on the side we also got trained in multimedia and reporting skills. It's a really solid program, and I'd highly recommend it if you're a college student who's serious about getting into journalism. So back to Jacqueline. She was serious about becoming a news anchor. She applied to a bunch of out-of-state colleges. Her eye was specifically on Ithaca College's well-regarded journalism program. Out-of-state tuition, though, was expensive, so she needed a scholarship to help offset the costs. I applied to 55 scholarships, and one particular scholarship I remember wanting to send, and at this point, 55, I'd gotten no's from like 30 or 40 of them. They were just like, nope, not good enough. And I'm like, well, that sucks. I remember filling out one last application, and it was a Saturday. And I was like, Dad, before we go out, can we just stop by the post office? I just want to mail this last scholarship. And by this point, he had just seen me get all these no's. And he was like, why do you keep sending in these scholarship applications? It's not like you're getting any of them. And I remember I was so mad. I was so, so mad that he had said that because I was like, I'm trying. I'm trying to get into college and have to not pay too much. And I was so hurt by that comment. I almost threw this application away, but I was like, no, I'm going to submit this and it's going to be fine. A couple weeks go by after I had submitted that application and I got the email that I'd gotten accepted. And this was the one scholarship that I got out of this 55. And it turned out to be a $20,000 scholarship from CNN. At the time I was like, oh my God, I can do this. I can choose my own path. I can tell my parents no and like make this happen. That's the moment I knew that 
I could make my own decisions. Making your own decisions also means owning the outcome. After receiving that scholarship, Jacqueline went to San Francisco State University, where she studied broadcast journalism. Midway through the program, though, she realized that news maybe wasn't exactly what she wanted to do. I think I knew that hard news wasn't for me because I was really bad at all the newspaper tests. I couldn't really write a good lead. Your mind has to be wired for like 30-second spots. You kind of have to detach from any emotion. And especially in this day and age when a lot of the stories are really, really sad, like that's hard for me because I like to feel happier. I like to deliver good news. And that's when I think is a realization of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Now that I told my parents, like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do journalism. And then I'm not going to do journalism. I'll figure this out. (laughs) Despite her change of heart, Jacqueline doesn't discount those journalism years. Life is sometimes just a process of elimination. You have to go through experiences to know what it is that you don't want. I still always look back to that moment and think it's okay to not be right, but it's not okay to not at least try. Like, it's okay that I didn't do journalism, but what matters is that I didn't stop myself when someone was like, why are you doing that? That was the ultimate lesson. I too discovered that news wasn't really for me through sheer trial and error. The deadlines were just too tight, I wasn't a quick enough writer, and I didn't really enjoy being on camera that much. But I'm glad I tried because, you know, similar to what Jacqueline said, it's better to try and know um, that something is not for you than to never try at all and always wonder about it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we also don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we're passionate about. We don't know what we like to do and what we don't like to do. So similarly, I was always interested in entrepreneurship. And when I launched a chocolate business, I did it to mostly try it out because I wanted to learn. If I never left my corporate job, I don't think I would have been able to experience what I have experienced so far in building a company. And during the years that I owned a chocolate business, I learned a ton, but I also learned that I didn't really want to work with a perishable product. So for me, that was a really important experience to be able to try out creating my own physical product and then later on maybe coming back to it. So I strongly believe that it's important to keep trying different things until you find what is right for you. Jacqueline still had to figure out what she was going to do next. She graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism, and like many of us before entering the real world, asked, what now? We have this degree in communication and journalism, and it's like, you could do so much. You could go into marketing. You could actually become a writer. You could do hard news. You could X, Y, Z. So when that moment came, when I was like, I'm not going to do hard news anymore, I was really scared because I didn't know what I was good at. And I kept wishing like, oh, I should have done something like kinesiology because I love fitness where it's like hard science degree. I could take that somewhere. And with journalism, I was like, is this too floofy where if you don't do journalism, like then what are you good at? One thing that had always been part of Jacqueline's life was physical activity. She had been groomed for tennis since she was young and played tennis competitively on our high school's varsity team. Our dad made us play tennis. And I say made us because he really made us play tennis. It was a forced thing. Um, So we played tennis from four to 18 years old. I was like varsity, captain, MVP, all that fun stuff. And then once 
I graduated high school, I was like, I never want to touch a tennis racket again. My dad was a really tough coach. Our high school coach was also pretty rough. I remember sometimes during games, he would throw chairs. It was crazy. And to this day, like all sports feel competitive to me. So once I finished tennis, I was like, all right, what's next? And my sister took me to the gym. We took a kickboxing class and that sold it for me. There was something about the energy of the kickboxing class that resonated much more with Jacqueline than the tennis court. When I am in a kickboxing class, it feels so positive. And the energy from everyone in the room is just so radiant. And in the tennis court, it's actually a competition. Like no matter who's on the other side, you're just trying to beat them. Even if you're like rallying and it's like easy, in the back of your mind, you're like, I eventually need to win this point and they need to not hit the ball back to me. In group fitness, it's not like that because you're just competing with yourself from yesterday or the week before, or it's like this evolution. And to me, that felt so much happier. So Jacqueline followed her bliss. That very first class that we took, I loved the instructor so much. I went up to him afterwards and I was like, hey, where do you get your music from? Like, this is amazing. And he's like, well, you're really good. Like, do you just want to teach? And I was like, uh, yeah. And so he became my mentor and he would stay with me every Tuesday after class, me and my sister, sometimes just me in this big group fitness room. And he'd be like, okay, this is how you cue. This is how you choreograph. This is how you teach a class. And he really did it just out of the goodness of his heart. He was the leader of all the kickboxing instructors in that area and I would say probably three months later I got certified to teach kickboxing. I couldn't teach yet because I was still under 18 and 24 Hour Fitness wouldn't hire me yet. So on midnight of my 18th birthday I applied to teach and I got accepted and I probably taught like a month later. It was so scary I literally peed in my pants like while I was teaching and this is like before dry fit. <laughs> Jacqueline calls it her Fergie moment. An ode to that time, Fergie was so amped up that she accidentally peed herself on stage at a Black Eyed Peas concert. Despite that, teaching the class was an exhilarating experience for Jacqueline, and she wanted more. So then I just started teaching classes like 10, 15 times a week to make money. So in that moment, my parents are like, what are you doing? Because I was making like, I don't know, $10,000 a year. And still now, like, what is this? Eight, nine years later, I'm still not making like crazy, crazy amounts of money, but I'm so happy because that foundation really helped me understand like, yeah, you're not going to be a millionaire, but at least you're building the foundation to do something that you'll be proud of. And so when I was teaching fitness classes so much, I was, I was really happy. And then that led me to everything else. Jacqueline prioritized learning in order to set a good foundation for herself. She wanted to be a well-rounded fitness instructor. So she diversified her own fitness offerings. I wanted to learn it all, and I was really trying to approach fitness in a holistic way. What would the average person be doing in their own workout? They would make it really hard some days, they would do strength some other days, and then they would have to chill down, cool down with yoga. And I thought, like, if I wanted to be an all-encompassing instructor, I wanted to learn it all. Jacqueline has an adventurous and enterprising spirit. So it's no surprise that she decided to fuse her love of writing and fitness together to create an online fitness magazine. She started it with her sister Cassie. They called it Fitterazzi. Originally, Cassie and I started Fitterazzi together, and 
it was a super awesome venture. And then she would have ideas and I would have ideas and we'd kind of butt heads. We kind of hit a point where we're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't work together because maybe as sisters, it's like too much. Let's protect our sister relationship and not do this together. Amazingly, he just handed it over to me and said like, you should keep going. And I was like, okay. And it was scary. But the initial vision was to have a fitness magazine focused on positive body image. All the magazines that were out and still to this day will have headlines like, lose 10 pounds in 10 days, how to get rid of your side jigglies. I was like, let's just write about positive things and talk about food and nutrition and fitness without making it feel so shameful. And so we had writers from all over the world who would submit stuff as a pretty open platform. And then I would just edit it and then put it up and we would have these monthly releases. We were not really making money. I think we had a couple of brand deals that came through once, but this was back when brands are like, what? Like influencer? Like magazine? I'm not going to pay you. Brand partnerships then were never quite worth the squeeze. Jacqueline recalls one of her first brand deals in 2014. We did like a workout around the city thing. I would do a workout in an iconic San Francisco location. And I think we did like five or six locations and like a full workout series in each one. And this was probably two weeks of work for $750. At the time, Jacqueline was running everything solo. Monetization was really hard. She didn't have funds to hire anyone. So she did everything from marketing to sales to editing and social media herself. Lucia, we know how that goes, right? Yeah. Being a solo entrepreneur is the hardest thing. A lot of entrepreneurs fail because they don't have a partner. So what happened to Federazzi? Well, it still gained a following and made pretty significant strides in advancing the message of positive body image. It even attracted the attention of an online health and wellness company called Sprite. Sprite was a little bit different, but it did have a similar premise in that it wanted to provide educational health content. So when Sprite offered to buy Jacqueline's company in classic Silicon Valley fashion, Jacqueline wasn't really sure what to do. I wasn't making much money and I was doing this thing that I was really like passionate about, but it was just me at home, working from home. I'd still be in my PJs and it was cold in San Francisco. I was excited, but I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. And I think just trusting that process was probably the biggest lesson for me. Ultimately, Jacqueline's goal was always to deliver good health stories, which was in line with Sprite's mission. She was also really burnt out as a one-woman shop. The way she saw it, she could continue doing what she loved at Sprite with a stronger platform and more resources behind her. So she agreed to sell Fitterazzi and go work for Sprite as an associate editor. But after a year, the company ended up shifting away from editorial. I loved my coworkers. It was a great team. They pivoted a couple too many times where editorial wasn't the focus anymore and they ended up letting me go after a year. That was a weird moment for me because I had worked on Fidderazzi for so long. It was me and my sister's baby, then I sold it, and then I got laid off and I was like, this feels weird. And so I had like the second coming where it was like, okay, what am I going to do? And then that's when I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to open a gym. Let's go back to my fitness roots. Opening a gym requires a lot of upfront cost. So Jacqueline ping-ponged back and forth the idea for three years, pushing the idea along while continuing to teach 10 classes a week. 
She also started work as a digital marketing manager for a legal software company called LegalNet to pay the bills. She actually met her current boss in her kickboxing class. He and his wife are regular students in her class. It goes to show that you'll never know who you'll meet. Ultimately, because of the prohibitive costs of opening a gym, Jacqueline nixed the idea. But it's since been reborn as a new concept called Arrival Fitness. My vision for Arrival Fitness is to bring exciting fitness experiences to work. And a lot of corporate wellness programs I've seen will come in and they'll do like a 10 week slim down or like, let's all lose weight together. And I guess this falls back to like why I started Fitterazzi. I've never wanted fitness to be about weight loss. And I know for a lot of people it has to be, but I also think there's a way to approach it where it doesn't have to feel like, oh, how many miles did I run? How much, how many calories did I eat? How much weight have I lost? Sometimes you can love fitness just by feeling good because you danced or you did a push up, and there's so much more value in that to me. I'm the happiest when I'm teaching to a group of people who want to be taught to, and I've done my fair share of really snobby classes. When I started teaching at workplaces, I was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. My time is spread now doing half of the digital marketing and the other half working on Arrival and teaching my classes. And it's taken me a long time to get to this point, but I finally feel like I have the spread that keeps me happy and sustainable. We're still super new, but I just get excited about the growth for that. One thing's for sure, Jacqueline's goal isn't to become another fitness influencer. She doesn't even really consider herself to be an influencer, even though she has a pretty sizable following at over 42K. She's also worked with big brands, most recently Toyota and TJ Maxx. My mission and philosophy is I never want to add noise where noise is not needed. So if you look at my Instagram or any of my social, like, I have no posting schedule. <laughs> I don't post every day at 8 a.m. I don't have a color theme. I don't only post about fitness because I feel like if I don't have anything interesting to share or say, I'm just not going to share it. I'll share things that have been hard. It's been like a hard couple of months where I had appendicitis, broke my finger, pulled a tendon. Like it's been very tough for me physically. And I'll share that. It's hard and I'm okay with it. The hustle is still very real, but things are a lot more manageable now compared to her early days working on the magazine with Fitterazzi. Her advice for people like her who are managing multiple projects is financial prudence. My biggest piece of advice is to save money where you can because every little bit counts. Like stop buying coffees every morning, stop buying avocado toast, like just buy your Trader Joe's, make it last for as long as you can. And that really is going to help build the sustainability. Because I, I look back on like what I used to eat and do, and it was so minimal. In terms of freelance gigs, I've done so many gigs that I didn't really want to do for not enough money. <laughs> and in terms of that, try to negotiate your way where you can be sustainable and let the other party know like, this is my rent. This is my food money. Like you may be shaving off $50, but like that will take me through the week. <laughs> um, and just having those honest conversations with your clients, there's going to be days when your freelance gigs are so much, you just want to drown. And there are days when it's dry. And I think appreciating both spectrums of that really 
puts it into perspective. I couldn't help but ask Jacqueline about what her relationship is like with her sister, Cassie. Cassie has graced the cover of Health Magazine and is arguably one of the most influential fitness personalities out there. Jacqueline, too, is a force in her own right, but I wondered if she ever fell into the comparison trap. Yeah, there'd be moments where I was like, oh, I wish I could be as successful, but keep in mind she's four and a half years older than me. She's gone through her own trials and tribulations. And now I think it's gotten to a point where I'm comfortable with what I'm doing and she's amazing at what she's doing. And the fact that we're both doing what we authentically love to do, like there's no need to compare. It's so different and we're such different people. It could look like we're doing similar things and that she has a big brand and my brand is a baby, but it like doesn't even bother me. Now I just am so grateful to have found something that I really love to do that it, I, just, I don't even have time to think about that anymore. These days, Jacqueline will also go to her sister for business-related advice, and they'll even do collaborations together. We recently did a Puppies and Planks Festival where my sister had a fitness festival for humans and dogs. And there we were able to collaborate as businesses and I had a booth for my business and she had her thing going on. And that was really, really cool to see. I think I run my business a little bit slower only because I can't work as fast as she does. When she has an idea, she's going, 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 and sometimes like I need to take a breath and breathe and like think through, is this a good idea? And sometimes she's like, who cares if it's a good idea? Like, let's do it. So that's how we differ, but I think when we come together, it's like such a perfect balance. If I had a message for my sister right now, I would just tell her I love her and that I'm so, so proud of her, everything she does. Aw, that's so sweet. I'm an only child and I always wanted an older sister or an older brother to hang out with because being an only child is very lonely. And to hear that Cassie and Jacqueline have just such a close relationship, it's, um, it's really heartwarming. So what's up next for Jacqueline? How does she define success? I asked her that and her answer is appropriately millennial mixed with a dose of reality. The cheesy answer to this is success is based on your happiness, but sometimes you can be happy and then you get evicted because you couldn't pay rent and then that's not happy anymore. So there's like this weird medium between doing what you love, but also being sustainable. You're going to have to make sacrifices and do jobs you don't want to do. And that's like the harsh reality of it. Happiness is when you can find that side hustle, that thing where you can let go of the pent up energy and creativity you have like boiling inside of you and feeding that. So to me, happiness is self-defined, but it's being able to find the balance between sustainability and following your dreams. I agree that sometimes we say too much of follow your dreams and everything will be okay. There's a saying that you should find three hobbies that you love. One is a hobby that makes you money. One is a hobby that keeps you in shape and fit. And the final one is a hobby that keeps you creative. And it sounds like Jacqueline finally found a good balance for herself of all these three different types of hobbies. And it took her a long time. It took her nine years. And I think we always forget that the last piece is we need to be patient. Yes, patience, for sure. She'll also be the first to admit that she doesn't have it all figured out yet. But till then, she's going to keep moving 
and working towards her own health vision. True health to me is when you can feel freedom in your movement and eating. And I think everyone goes through a different journey where you may need to monitor what you eat or really hit some goals with your health, but sometimes it gets too stressful. And so to me, true health is when you can find the balance between all of that and be like, all right, I really have to be strict Monday through Friday because I really need to shape up for a triathlon or whatever. But knowing that like, all right, I need a bite of cheesecake and like, it's okay hop back on tomorrow. So in that vein, Jacqueline and I took a piece of her own advice and we got some cheesecake to end our conversation. You guys were eating cheesecake and it's very exciting. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rock the Boat. We have just two more episodes left in season two, but we're cooking up some plans for season three, which we plan to launch mid-September. The theme for season three is overcoming challenges, challenges of all sorts, physical, mental, external, and internal. We are doing an open call for stories, so if you have a story to share, please reach out to us at hello at gorocktheboat.com. Also, we're currently looking for volunteers to help us out for season three. If you are a social media guru or a writer who is interested in helping to expand the Asian American narrative, we can use your help. Hop onto our website at www.gorocktheboat.com, search for open roles for specifics. You can also email us directly at hello at gorocktheboat.com with a link to your portfolio or your website. As always, please subscribe and share this episode with anyone that you think could benefit from it. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or leave us a comment. Your positive reviews really help a ton. If you have suggestions for topics about the Asian American community or a personal story that you'd like to share, email us at hello at gorocktheboat.com. Next time on Rock the Boat we talk with the fun bros, or at least one of them, the funnier, smarter one. Can you guess which one? In any case, this conversation made us laugh a ton and think about the future of Asian Americans and where we're headed in today's cultural sphere. We had a wide-ranging, freewheeling conversation about modern-day Asian American masculinity, sexuality, empowerment, and representation. Obviously, Asian guys and Asian people got sexual prowess, okay? For sure. I mean, we reproduce at an amazing rate. So, of course, we have penises. So that's out the window. Um, but it's like, how are we going to show people that? And maybe it's not in the same exact way as everybody else. Maybe we don't win their game necessarily, but we can improve our standing in it. And I totally 100% believe that. If Asian guys study how to look better, be perceived better, how to represent better, how to attack better, half as much as they've studied anything else in their life, any other subject, we'd be so much farther along. We also touch on the Fung Bros original story. What prompted the two brothers to start their YouTube channel, which today boasts over 2 million subscribers. And we discuss what's next for both of them. See you guys next time.
Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became an American Ninja Warrior. In Northern California, not born but raised Went to school in San Francisco where I finally stayed Studied journalism just trying to pass But most of the time taught a kickboxing class I was class of 13, didn't know what to do So I founded my own fitness magazine Did that for a year, then sold my company And now I'm at Sprite, it's like the coolest place to be I write full time and I teach three times a week Got bored with my workout, it wasn't on fleek Interviewed Megan Martin and that's when it clicked And she made me believe I was a pretty fly chick Real talk, mom and dad were tough. Always try my best, it was never enough. They'll knock you down, but hey, things worked out okay. Been training like crazy, trying to get strong. Wrote a series about it, you should follow along. It's been rough, it's been tough, don't regret it a bit. As a trainer for Nike, they said, just do it. I've done pull-ups for days and my forearms feel strong and my students all say, you can't go wrong. Look at these obstacles, got nothing to lose. Finally here, an American Ninja Warrior. 